wake up and think clearly. So the topic of this meetup, uh, hosted by Rami, was titled The Logic of Charles S. Pierce. Oh, no, I pronounced it wrong. It's spelled P-E-I-R-C-E, -E, so it may be pears or something like that. <laughs> Who knows? But it's a different spelling, so it's pronounced differently. So, the idea does not belong to the soul. It is the soul that belongs to the idea. That's what Charles Sanders Pierce said. But also, you can learn a little bit about his deductive logic at the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy. They have an article called Pierce's Deductive Logic. So, there are two different ways to approach Paris's deductive logic. We hereafter use logic to refer to deductive logic. One is to focus on how the main topics of logic evolved and were shaped within Paris's framework. This bottom-up approach not only provides us with genuine insight into Paris's logic, but also contributes to another even greater body of research, Paris's philosophy. However, the bottom-up method faces a serious obstacle because the enormous nexus of Persian ideas is difficult to unravel and separate. So, it's an interesting, but long and pensive article that requires a little bit of some uh, notations. There's the Boolean notation and the Persian notation and the Mitchell notation. Hmm. So it looks like we probably ended up with uh, Bull's notation, haven't we? Well, at least in Boolean logic. But uh, I ha haven't studied this article but I just looked it over and read some of it, the first paragraph. So I'll let the uh, the meetup um, go where it started, uh, featuring Rami and Mike Taylor at the beginning. And I, Hiro, later on jump in. Then we may hear Alex, the uh, space ace, uh, for a while, then leave. So here, here it goes. All right, are we ready to dig into to Pierce's deductive logic? Or uh, maybe I should let you just, I'm going to sit back and because you may have read his, some of his work prior to today. I took a, I'm afraid, somewhat superficial glance at the article that you pointed out. 
That sort of thing, I have not paid a great deal of attention to, the sort of thing that Peirce did, or for that matter, uh, Piano um, or Boole, actually, because when I started having to deal with logic and wanting to deal with logic, I came in at a point where it had been much more perfected. Right. Okay. And I dealt with what we would now consider classical symbolic logic. Uh, the um, If you look at that article, which I think was from Stanford, they had some of the classical uh, symbolic logic notation down toward the end of the article. Uh, they talked uh, a bit about the notations that were used by Peirce, Boole and Piano, and uh, those, so far as I could tell, were somewhat awkward notations from my point of view. Okay. So did the, the notation system become simplified? Or it's simply more refined? Simplified, but I think it became a great deal clearer. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe we should skip the mathematical side during our discussion time and just focus on the general uh, system of logic. Do you think that would be um, satisfactory? If you skip the mathematical side, I'm not sure what is left. <laughs> well, good. Um, and that would make for an extremely short meetup, and we can take a nap afterwards. Okay. <laughs> or right during the middle of the meetup, and <laughs> you know that that would be that would be very nostalgic for me because yeah, immediately I would see myself to. back lecturing. <laughs> well, I didn't come here to lecture. I just came here to try to uh, uh, learn. And already, you've taught me the proper way to say say his name. You're, you're pronouncing his name uh, Purse, which uh, uh, which I was getting wrong. So I don't know that my pronunciation is correct, but the the touchstone for pronunciation of any sort of name is simply to speak with a great deal of confidence, loudly, <laughs> as though you know what you're doing, and you can generally ride right over everyone else. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that that's great. Except, um, uh, I uh, I sat in a room once with a speaker who was talking about a heifer, and he asked the audience, well, just out loud. I think he was talking to himself. He goes, "What is a heifer? Can you even imagine what a heifer is?" And I go, "It's a it's a cow, and it's pronounced heifer." <laughs> <laughs> A heifer. <laughs> oh, but uh, a heifer is a female one, uh, and a heifer is a male cow. Oh, really? Isn't it? Because it's he and her. He. Oh, okay. Her. I gotcha. Gotcha. You're. <laughs> here's our local uh, polyglot in training here. <laughs> heifer and heifer. Okay. 
Was I wrong? But I don't know. I should say it <laughs> you loudly. You're right. It's, it, I'm not. I'm not about to dig into the etymology of the word to find out from what language and whether or not it, it was gender differentiated I mean, like that. If I say it loudly, maybe I'll be right. Well, how many people are just making their way? That that seems to be the problem with our age is that we are. It's not that we maybe fear or degrade intellectualism it's that the world is full of 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 faking intellectuals maybe the whole uh, world from, from the people at the top fake. of the power structure all the way down to the bottom maybe the whole world is fake and science is just a form of validating the fakeness of it okay well that makes an assumption with regard to the nature of science because science is magic 2.0 <laughs> okay, I don't know. I really do not. Yes, because earlier forms of magic, it, they used a wand and, and they had to meditate and become adepts and, and they developed the magic internally with the mental power. But science today is magic 2.0 because now it's external. Now uh, our, our mental telepathy has been externalized into the internet. Well, I have to, I have to, I have to reel this back in here because we we have to do a little bit of a review. The, the three of us here have all been part of Plato's cave, and I think most of us at least studied Hopper and and why he thought science was so great in that it it was a process of falsification where you oh. where you come up with your theory and then you do your darndest to disprove your own theory. And if try as you might and try as others might, it can't be disproven. Well, there must be something to that idea. Oh. Well, yes. Uh, isn't isn't science mostly uh, inductive logic? Deductive, actually. No, isn't it really inductive? Because deductive, you you have to have a, a set of premises, and you have to. Uh, assume that they're all facts, that they're all true, that they've been proven already. But then you? you have to have sciences to back up those premises. But 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 for the for the argument, uh, let's say you you have a, a set of premises, like at least let's say at least two, like uh, all men are mortal, and and Socrates was a man and therefore Socrates is mortal that, like that you have could that be couldn't that be considered uh, deductive but then it most of science is not deductive it's mostly inductive because you can't uh, determine for sure it's more like like you're saying oh we can't be for sure but but it sounds right like there's a probability that that it's right so so we have to induce that that we've come to, that, that we can agree on that conclusion. So the conclusions in science are mostly inductive, even though they, they try to make it sound like it's deductive. I think it depends on what part of science you're doing. Mm -hmm. I think if you're doing something like botany or zoology, you're going to depend a great deal more strongly on induction. Uh -huh. On the other hand, if you're doing something like mathematical physics, mm. if you're uh, trying to do 
cosmology. Uh, if you're trying to uh, do some applied science involving designing airplane wings, I think there's going to be an absolutely tremendous amount of deduction involved. Usually in the form of some more or less difficult mathematics. But still, when when in science you have even in physics you have all these fundamental uh, fundamental uh, what principles of physics uh, assumptions assumptions that uh, yeah you you still uh, have to do some some uh, uh, verification of. Like uh, you gather data and, and you come up with a hypothesis or a theory and, and you go back and prove it and prove it. But I, I think what you're describing there, Hiro, is grounded theory, which applies in the social sciences. But uh, like the theory of gravity, it's yeah, yeah, we can uh, we can see that it there's evidence that it's there. But but to come up with the theory that explains it. Uh, isn't that uh, requires some some induction here and there, or is it all deductive? Well, inductive reasoning moves from specific instances into a generalized conclusion. Deductive reasoning moves from generalized principles that are known to be true to a true and specific conclusion. So, um, I guess inductive, if if um, if moving up would be to move closer to truth, you have an inverse period, uh, sorry, an inverse pyramid with inductive reasoning, and you have a, a, a regular <laughs> constructed pyramid by a deductive reasoning. If you're doing science, you always have to come back to experimentation and facts insofar as you can find them. Uh, on the other hand, um, for certain kinds of science, the majority of your effort may turn out to be put into doing some sort of very careful uh, calculation or logic. For example, uh, when Einstein uh, moved from special relativity theory to general relativity theory, uh, most of the effort, uh, so far as I can tell, as it looks to me, was, was put into uh, figuring out how you could deduce in the setting of differential geometry with a few physical assumptions the behavior that was observed in the cosmos. I'm going to take this uh, pause and state that uh, I'm using a free account and this has a limit last I checked of 40 minutes. We're coming up on 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Iroh, if you want to share with us your paid account, which has no time limit in the chat section, when we get booted off, anyone who wants to continue the conversation can use the, the link that Hiro is going to provide for us. Mm. Yes, okay. it, it's my phone number. That's the meet, meeting ID, and I set it to not require a password. Isn't that wonderful? 
But, but I control who goes in it. <laughs> there, I sent. It's 407-486-8642. 407. And what was the rest? Hmm. 486. 486. Yeah, that's like an Intel. 8642. 8642. It's all even numbers except for the 7. I'll stick it in the chat as well. Did you see it? Oh, you could stick it in the uh, meetup as well. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah, I have a, I have a paid account, so you can stay here all night, and I, and have uh, gigs and gigs of of space for recording, so we could just. Leave it on 24 hours. Well, let, let me ask, <laughs> if we use this number, do we use this as the uh, meeting ID? Yes. Okay. Will that work? So if we turn on Zoom and it asks for an, an ID, that's the number that we plug in. Yeah. Say there's no password. I took the password off. All right. <laughs> Now, if I, when I click into the room, if I'm prompted for a password, I'm going to make sure to get that from Hiro and send it to you, Mike, then maybe I should, via Meetup's uh, uh, chat feature. Then maybe I should uh, messaging leave, messages feature. leave this Meetup, or maybe I should leave this first and, and use my Zoom to start the uh, meeting with my account, and then everybody else... Uh, jumps in afterwards. <laughs> That's a great idea, Hutto. <laughs> so I'll do that now. I'll ah. put a link in case anyone else happens to come by while we're in there. We can hop. the first section converting right now to a recording that way we have it as a resource i thought that was a pretty good uh, opening <laughs> i think for each one of these meetings and I, I picked them, this up from attending um steve's sunday 9 a.m meetings he normally spends at least the first 15 minutes just doing chit chat where, where people are socializing and sharing whatever they want to share so oh. ah. I think it better, it better helps people to focus. I just let Mike in. He's joining. Well, that ends part one of this meetup. It continued for another, maybe more, another more than what we got here. We got about 20 minutes, but it continued for maybe. 40 minutes or so. But that part that continued, I don't have with me at this time. I'll have to uh, look for it. Maybe it's in my uh, 
Zoom cloud. So I'm not going to add it here. I'm going to save this episode and call it part one of uh, Charles Pears, uh, The Logic of Charles Pears, or something like that. So thank you and hope you enjoyed this part of it. Hope to get part two up sometime later. Thank you. Bye.